0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's springtime. Yeah. And let me just be really honest and transparent this morning. I've been doing this. a... Uh, for a number of years now. But when Brother Covington got up and prayed and Pastor Bronson prayed, and it just really made me remember how we serve a God who answers prayers. And so what we're gonna do today is we really have an awesome opportunity to see what Jesus did with his disciples. Which oftentimes we look at as superheroes. But the Bible records that he chose ordinary men to do extraordinary things. And as the praise team was up, they were singing and worshiping and praising God. I was just thinking about hey, in life, we face a number of trials, a number of obstacles. But we're on a team that's undefeated. We have an undefeated coach. His name is Jesus. His assistant coach, our parakletos, the Holy Spirit, is the the best assistant coach that I've been under. So this morning, as we get ready to set the stage for what we're gonna be talking about this morning is We're going to be talking about how do we become disciplined to commune with God? How do we become disciplined to commune with God? And so let me pray. Father, we thank you right now for this awesome opportunity, Lord God, that your word will go forth, that we will receive it, that we will apply it to our lives. We ask now these blessings in your son Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. Well, Good morning once again. My name is Dwayne. I am excited to serve here at New Life Church downtown Little Rock. And if you have your Bibles this morning, bear with me. I have a passage of scripture found in John chapter 6. And the stage that we're setting here is there's a celebration about to happen. And Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for this particular celebration. John chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 58. It says, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna but will live forever. Verse 59. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that the disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think? If you see the son of man ascend to heaven again. Verse 63. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Verse 64. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said. That is why I say that people cannot come to me unless the father gives them to me. Verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave also? So what's being set up here is Jesus referring to himself as the bread of life. He also exclaims that if we are to live eternally, we must eat of this bread. Ultimately, we see that some of the followers just left Jesus to follow him no more in verse 66. But today, as we analyze and take inventory of our very own lives as followers, we see sometimes in our lives that we have been devoted disciples. We've been dedicated disciples. We've been determined disciples And then we've also seen that we must strive to be disciplined disciples. It's okay to be devoted. It's okay to be dedicated. But then we also have to subject ourselves. As Paul said, we have to discipline ourselves to be disciples. So today, just for a moment, I want to talk about the discipline of communion with God. New life, in this life that we're living, we will become More followers than we are fans. This is a world of challenge today, a world of challenge. We have to do more than claim Christianity, but we have to have the attributes to manifest in our lives. We cannot just seek the hand of God, but we also have to seek the heart of God. And and sometimes in that we have to really be transparent and say, I don't have it all together. I don't. And and I tell my wife this all the time, she said, you know, you something else. And I just look back at it and smile. I know I'm a mess. <laughs> but, but when we find ourselves in that state and as Brother Covington prayed, you know, sometimes it is okay to cry out and, and let everybody else know that's here to the strong to bear the infirmities of the weak. It's okay to let other people know that we're not okay so that we can pray for one another. So when we're seeking the heart of God, we, we know that his people are going to come around and surround us and, and do just the same. But there will come a time in this, in this walk that our faith will be tested. And oftentimes we've heard it say, I got a testimony to tell you. But guess what? Sometime in this life, our testimony is going to be tested. And our claims to Christianity is going to be tested. And we have to be more than just fair weather followers. A disciple is one that follows, embraces, and assists in spreading the message of Christ. So we have to commune with God. As I was researching this message, I found something very challenging to me. I found a key statement by Cal Eidelman. And he said, it's much easier to talk about following Jesus when you're making a general statement rather than making a specific commitment. Can I be transparent again? About 20 years ago, Markay and I, we went before the preacher we went and had marriage counseling and talked about how much we loved each other, at least what we thought. And he, he began to question us and question that love. And then we stood before him before a whole host of witnesses. And then hard times began to challenge that love. And so when we began to talk about uh, we're following Jesus in a general statement, But when it comes to specific commitment that, hey, I got to carve out this amount of time for the one I say I love, then that's more challenging. But so in John 6, we see that the multitudes were following Jesus after he performed all these miracles. He was feeding. He was walking on water. He was teaching with authority, and he compelled people to follow him. Yes, many ate, many went home, and others stayed around to see what he would do next. Sound like some of us, doesn't it? And day after day, miracles were performed. We observed the discourse of the fair weather followers. And first we see them in verse 24. They were seeking. The crowd saw Jesus. They saw neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. And they got in their boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Here Jesus began to preach, I am the bread of life. And every moment with Christ was a teachable moment. And sin, we see the fandom that calls flocks to follow. And Jesus begins to illustrate this message of salvation in spite of them searching for food to perish. He said, I'm the bread of life. If you come and partake of me, you will not hunger again. But you will live forever. Suddenly the followers begin to complain and murmur. Verse 41, they complained because they did not understand. I see this all the time. I'm an educator. When students don't understand, they act out. When adult teachers don't understand, they mumble and complain, they act out. And so what I tell the staff is oftentimes, say, hey, we're just grown children. Same behaviors. And so the disciples, they murmured and they complained because they did not understand. How could Jesus claim to be from heaven? Perhaps they had not yet heard Paul's teaching of deity in Colossians 1.15. He is the expressed image of an invisible God, firstborn of all creation. By him, everything was created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Then In addition, they took the, Jesus, the teaching of Jesus literally rather than spiritually. Verse 52, the Jews quarrelled and asked, how can this man give us flesh to eat? He must be beside himself. And many theologians and interpreters would say that Jesus was speaking of communion. We take this communion as an ordinance in our church to remember. And the question is, why would he mention something so sacred and set apart to a group of folk who were complaining and murmuring? Well, I'll tell you why. When Dwayne needed it most, Jesus sent someone to bring the gospel message to him. You know, folks that's already healed don't need a hospital. Folks that's already healed don't need a physician. And in situations, we oftentimes scratch our heads and say, why these people? And Jesus' message was spiritual and about salvation. Verse 63, Christ says these words, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life, saints of God. And if we are to fully understand our purpose, we must know that our spirits have to be awakened to the spirit of God. The spirit alone can give us eternal life. But human effort can give us not much of anything. The spirit alone gives us eternal life. And then here we see the last action of the followers. They turn back no longer in verse 66. And they no longer accompany Jesus. Here's what we're going to get to remembering our role as, as followers. Because we have to be mindful to understand that we... Or to commune with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says in verse 20. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. Verse 21. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Verse 22. What? Do you not have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor. Verse 23, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread. Verse 24, and he gave thanks for it. And when he broke it into peace, he said, This is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is what we know as our church ordinance as communion. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the covenant, or this is a cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Verse 26, for every time you eat of this bread and drinking of this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again verse 27 so anyone who eats of this bread or drinks of this cup of the lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of our lord so here's where we talk about examine ourselves to slow down to remember Uh, chris o did an awesome job this morning with the home team allowing us to stop slow down and remember what is it that i have unchecked that i haven't dealt with and then verse 29 for if you eat this bread or drink of the cup without honoring the body of Christ you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself then verse 30 that is why many of you are sick and some have died I don't know about you church but I need to look in the mirror and ask myself a question do I remember that while I was yet a sinner that Christ died for me the ungodly one do I remember that do I remember that when I'm a wretch undone, even on my best day? Do I remember that? Do I remember when I was not fit to live and I surely was not ready to die, that God came and rescued me by his grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. So we have a few things we want you to remember today, church. It seemed like that was a little heavy, but, but we got good news. We got good news. We got four points Number one, we want to remember God's sovereign will and the fact that he chose us. That's good news. That's good news. See, sometimes we we chase after relationships and we want this person. We want that person. We have our parents that we were born to. But guess what? We have been adopted. We have been adopted. See, sometimes people have children and they don't want them. But Jesus adopted us into his family. By his sovereign will. So he chose us, number one. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says this. Even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us to be holy without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So that's good news, number one. Number two, it says we should remember his substitutionary death. The good news about that is this. On my very best day, I'm still not worthy. And What I love about the, 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 the music writer, the songwriter, John P. Key, he has a song called Not Guilty. See, I've stood before a judge before, and he said, guilty as charged. But, but see, we, we got a paracletos. The Holy Spirit says, not guilty today. If you accept him today, you're not guilty. So this substitutionary death, we see this in 2 Corinthians 5.0. 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us task of reconciling people to him. That's what we're talking about. We're going to communion. If I'm going to remember God, we got to understand that he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. If I'm going to follow him, I can't say I love somebody whom I've never seen and can't love people that I see every day. So when we see this substitutionary death, we're seeing right now that I'm being reconciled back to him. He did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. And so for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. What does that mean? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. An ambassador is someone that's going to go. I remember back in the old days, we would they said you got to go in the hedges and highways and compel men to come. So an ambassador is one that's going to go and tell and speak on another's behalf. So God makes this appeal through us. We are his ambassadors. We are communing with him. We speak for Christ when we plead for people to come back to God. Okay, so number one, we remember his sovereign will, the fact that he chose us. Number two, we remember his substitutionary death. And number three, we remember his spirit has sealed us forever and not just for a season. See, sometimes people are wrestling and vacillating with the fact that I did this wrong again. I'm disqualified. See, we can't re-crucify Christ. if we try to re-crucify Christ for stuff that I messed up on that he already knew what we were going to mess up look here he died for past present and future sins so when we remember that that he sealed us by his spirit as an earnest payment it's almost like when when Beyonce said you got to put a ring on it he put a ring on it with his Holy Spirit That when we come back for the, for the marriage feast of the lamb, that, that we've already been bought with a price. And so when we find out that, hey, we are sealed by his spirit forever, not just for a season, then we understand that, hey, we are uh, compatible hey, we're, we're in communion, we're, we're consecrated, we've been set apart. And so this communion supper that we're talking about or this communion with God, it is a memorial service. It's remembering what he's done to save our lives. And then number four, remember his steadfast love sustains us. This was something that was so difficult for me to understand if I could be honest. I, I was just really, you know, I, I gotten caught up into trying to do stuff and trying to check off a list. Okay, I've done this almost like the rich young ruler. I've done that, Lord. I I, I sing in the choir, Lord. Okay, I'm on the prayer team, Lord. And I was trying to do stuff to validate my right standing with the Lord. But when we understand it, there's a song that we sing that he left the 99 for the one. See, his love. And see, when you really get into it, as Paul said, his love constrains us. You know, when you love somebody, you don't want to disappoint them. When you love somebody, you, you, when you love, you won't commit those other things against them. You know, and, and there is no law against love. You know that? There's no law against love. So as we examine ourselves, we conclude that the Lord's mercies are new every morning and we're not consumed. His compassions new every morning and I have to ask myself am I a disciple or am I a fan you know after I really slow down and, and think about community I said "Dwayne, are you a disciple or are you just a fan you, you just rolling with the razorbacks right now cause they going to the elite eight you, you really not a fan Dwayne? you just it's just a good time it's almost Easter that's why you, you want to get that Easter suit and put on. on are you really following or are you a fan so even at the Lord's Supper, as we, as we get ready to close here, Jesus was teaching the disciples in John 6 about what was going to come. And so here at the Lord's Supper, Jesus exclaimed to, he said, one of you, as he was sitting down breaking the bread and passing around the cup, he said, one of you that's dipping now in the cup is going to betray me. This is, a, this is a pause for us here. Because each one of the disciples that we oftentimes look at as super saints, Each one of them said one by one, Lord, is it I? In the simple words, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. He chose each one of them, and one he knew was the devil. But each one of them said, Lord, is it I? That lets us know that each one of us has the propensity to fall short. The propensity to turn our backs as they did in chapter, in verse 66 and walk away to follow no more. But the good news is we got each one of us in here that can encourage one another along the way. As we communion with God, we're praying to him, Lord, who is it that I can pray for today? As we're communing with God, who is it whose countenance has dropped today that I can speak a word of encouragement to? Who is it today, Lord, that needs a word from you? And so we see in our very own lives, Dwayne says, Lord, is it I? And we have a good news found in John chapter 12. This, this is kind of my story, you all. John chapter 12, we see someone who, see, I was trying to check a box, but my worship was, was not in order. You know, have you ever been in a place where you were worried about what somebody was going to say about your worship? Have you ever been in a place where, where they saw me here last week and they're going to see me with my hands lifted so, so I'm worried about my worship? But let me show you somebody who was ready to give up all for the way she worshiped. John chapter 12, it says six days before Passover celebration began. Jesus arrived in Bethany. At the home of Lazarus We know this story, it's familiar But the man had raised from the dead You know people want to be around when something happens This is Lazarus' house y'all Who had been raised from the dead Now let's think about custom here Was prepared in Jesus' honor this, This meal, this dinner Martha was serving And Lazarus was among those who ate with him And then Mary took a 12 ounce jar one one version says spike nard, perfume. The real deal, not that watered down edu toilette. Uh, but this was the real deal. This is stuff that, that was full of oil, no watered down version. You see that's the way my prayer was. Sometimes I'm thinking about what they what somebody else is gonna think, and I watered down my praise. See, about Mary right here, she said, I don't care what they think. I don't care what the custom is. I'm going to find my way in, and I'm going to let my hair down. So let's finish reading here. It says, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Say this with me. She let her hair down. How many of us are willing to let our hair down? (laughs) The house was filled with the fragrance. And that's what happens when we worship. When we worship God without worrying about what people will think, say, or do, the fragrance comes in in the house. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, What's wrong with him? This is, I'm just Let me read it and how it says it. But, but you could just see that righteous indignation come up in him. He says, who would soon betray him, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. See, they didn't even know what was getting ready to happen. She did this to get me ready for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And when all people heard Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him. And Lazarus, the man, and Jesus raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Jesus. All I'm trying to tell you today, people, is that when we remember what Jesus did, now we know what she probably uses perfume for, being a a, a lady that she was, but she she took that that she used to use to do other things to worship with it. So all I'm I'm, I'm saying is that we got to turn it around. We got to flip the script. Sometime, I'm going to tell you about me. When I was out there in the streets, I was good at it. Everything I did, I was good at it. They didn't want to see D.C. coming because they knew it was going to be on the popper. I was good at it. But then when I come here, where I get to lift and raise my hands and to go all in for God, I got to go all out and even more for Christ. The way I did when I was in the world. And so that's what we got to do. We got to flip the script. We got to turn around. Some of us has been in places bound by tradition, bound by culture, bound by pomp and circumstances, but God love is breaking through all of those isms in order for us to worship him freely and liberally so that he can get the glory out of our lives. People of God, I'm trying to share this with you is that we've had some mishaps and miscues. We've all had some moments of despair and disappointment. Now, The truth be told We've had our faith to falter. Brother Covington was sharing that sometimes we, we have some unbelief. But as the truth be told, we, we, we get back in the fold. The crux of the matter is this. That we've all been called to discipline, communion, and discipleship. We have an example that Jesus gave us. When he was in the garden, he said, Father, if it be thy will. He said, would you let this cup pass from me? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus, our Messiah, remained disciplined even until the death of the cross. Through the midst of the process, Jesus even asked, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass me. Thank Jehovah God for Jesus. I thank God for his sovereignty. I thank God that he's all knowing, that he knew Jesus had a nevertheless in his spirit. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Saints and d- disciplined disciples, I want you to leave here with a nevertheless in your spirits today. That nobody told us that the road would be easy. This is just, I got it from Mary Mary. Nobody told us the road would be easy. But I don't believe that God brought us this far to leave us here. Now that we are disciplined disciples, we can stand up and say that yea, do I walk through the valley. We know this when This is the psalm. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I know that in this life we will face tribulation. But we are to be of good cheer because we know that Christ has already overcome the world. And we know this too. Be, be, be mindful of this, saints, is that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the good news is that we're on an undefeated team. God delivered us out of them all. And and what they said, these are temporary or light afflictions that we're going through. And so as we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us through this communion, through this church ordinance of communion, as we remember his body that was broken for us, and his blood that was shed for us for the remission of our sins. We can't help but to praise him. We can't help but to pause and think about the awesome cost. Didn't cost us anything, but it cost him his life. And when we look at that sacrifice, we know without a shadow of doubt that his love is vast, wide, And we can't explain it, but he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves us to serve one another, to be his hands and his feet. May God bless you and may God keep you is our prayer. Hey, guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.